Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. In the context of the church, when you have situations where you have racial tension and you have socioeconomic divisions and things like that, all of that is completely contrary to the gospel. It is just so counter gospel that it's astounding to think that it ever was able to really take root, but it never should because God is into diversity. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, in a message titled, Called and Appointed. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Here in these verses, we're looking at the calling of the 12, the 12 apostles. So as we look at this, we see from the calling of these 12, we see clearly that Jesus is, he's doing something new. And remember, we we looked at that and how the religious leaders were criticizing him. And Jesus said, you know, they were criticizing his followers for not doing things the way they did it. And Jesus said, a new wine needs a new wineskin. Basically, Jesus said, look, we're not doing the old thing. We're doing a new thing here. And the fact that Jesus chose 12 apostles now shows that this is a new thing that's connected to the past because remember there were 12 tribes and uh, the tribes were related to the 12 sons of Israel. And so that's what had been. Now the new thing is starting and it is with these 12 men that Jesus is choosing, that he's going to establish this new work that would be ultimately manifested as the church and God's means of working in the world from generation to generation right down to where we are today. So we want to look at three things. We want to look at the, the 12 men, first of all, and secondly, we want to look at the call, that they were called by Jesus to something, and then we want to see what he appointed them to. So let's look, first of all, at the 12. And let me read you the names again, and I want to make some comments about each one of them. So beginning with Simon. So the list of apostles in the Gospels always starts with Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. So we know him mostly as Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. So James and John, these are the two brothers. And Jesus gave them the the nickname Sons of Thunder. And then there was Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite or the Zealot, and then finally Judas Iscariot. So you have a very diverse group of people here. And that's one of the things that we want to just kind of talk about here a bit, but let's just kind of reflect on them for a moment. So Simon Peter, Peter is, you know, probably beside Paul, he's probably the most well-known of the apostles. There's much about Peter in the gospels and then uh, the book of Acts, there's much about Peter. And then Peter is the author of two of the New Testament letters. And Peter was 
even according to Paul, he was one of the chief apostles. And so he was one of the leaders. His original name, his birth name was Simon. And Simon was a common name based on Simeon, one of the sons of Jacob, one of the names of the, one of the tribes, the tribe of Simeon. And, and yet Jesus named him Peter, or in the Greek, it's Petros, which is the Greek word for rock or stone. And he's also called Cephas. And Cephas is just the Aramaic version of Peter or rock. Now, when you look at him, in the early days, he doesn't seem to be that much like a rock. Now, when, when you think of a rock, and we're talking about here, not like a little pebble, but we're talking about a, a rock. You know, one of the things you can think about a rock is that there's stability with a rock. You know, large rocks are pretty fixed. You know, they don't move too easily. And, and so when you think of a person whose character is kind of like a rock, means they're, you know, they're solid and they're stable. But by nature, that really wasn't the case with Peter when you look at him. He was in, in many ways uh, impetuous. He was the kind of person who uh, seemed to speak before he thought quite frequently. And um, he was a person who Jesus had to kind of correct a lot. And, and yet, Jesus gives him this name. And what that tells us is that Jesus didn't see Peter for who he was as much as he saw him for who he would become. And guess what? He sees that with each one of us too. So he looks at us and he sees what he is going to make us into And we can just be encouraged by looking at Peter that the Lord doesn't just start a job, he finishes it. Because by the time we get to kind of the end of the story with Peter, we find that he is a very solid figure in the church. And, um, you know, very much a person that could be depended on and relied upon. So you have Peter, and then Peter has a brother named Andrew. Now in Matthew's gospel, Matthew puts them side by side, Peter and or Simon and Andrew. Uh, Andrew is mentioned here after James and John, but we'll talk about Andrew for a moment. Andrew is um, where Peter was kind of a, you know, very vocal and kind of out in the front type of a person. Andrew seems to be more of a behind the scenes type of a guy. But Andrew was the one who actually brought his brother to Jesus. And so we find with Andrew that he is a person who's more of a quiet person, a more of a behind the scenes person, but he's a person that God is using to connect people personally with Jesus. And then we have these two brothers, uh, James and John. Uh, James and John, Jesus gives them the nickname, the Sons of Thunder. Now, that, that's an interesting thing because John's first letter is known as the Epistle of Love. And John is known as the Apostle of Love. In, you know, church history, they, at the, you know, a certain point, people kind of labeled John as the Apostle of Love. And you read his writings and he does emphasize love quite a bit. And he even seems to be in many ways quite tender. There's, there's a point where he tells us that 
at the, what we call the Last Supper, when Jesus was talking about the fact that he was going to be betrayed, John tells us that he was leaning on the chest of Jesus. That's a very tender thing. Now, he was probably the youngest one of the apostles as well. He could have been just a teenager at this time. But, so all of that's true, but then there's another side to John because Jesus says he's a son of thunder, gives him the nickname. And we see an example of this. There's an occasion where Jesus is going, he passes through Samaria, he's sharing the gospel there, and the people aren't receiving him. And John and his brother James, you know what they say? They say, Jesus, how about if we call down fire from heaven and we destroy them like Elijah did? And Jesus said, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what I came to do. Jesus said, I came to save men's lives, not to destroy them. But from that comment, you realize that John had a bit of a fiery side to him as well as that tender and loving side. And then you have his brother, James. Now, James, Peter, James, and John, these three are often linked together in close association with Jesus. And Peter went on, as we've seen, you know, to be quite a pillar in the church. John outlived all of the other apostles. James was the first apostle to die for his faith. So James is martyred. We have the record of that in the 11th chapter or the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. He's put to death by Herod. And so these are the men that are mentioned here. Now, these four guys had this in common. They were all fishermen. And they actually were in partnership with one another as fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Now, let's talk about a few more of the names here. So after that, you have then Philip. Now, we know a little bit about Philip because John, in his gospel, he, he mentions Philip on a number of occasions. And then we have this, uh, this name, Bartholomew. Now, Bartholomew is known in John's gospel as Nathaniel. So when you read about Nathaniel in John's gospel, he's called here Bartholomew. And once again, that was common to have a couple of names. Whenever you see Bar, that means son of. So he's being referred to here now as the son of his father. And yet Philip and, and Nathaniel were close friends. They're linked together here. And then we have Matthew. We're familiar with Matthew. Remember, he was also Levi. We studied about him previously. He was the tax collector. And then we have Thomas mentioned. And once again, it's in John's gospel. It's in John's gospel that we get a little more insight into some of these lesser known apostles. John tells us stories about them. Thomas uh, has come down to us kind of in church history. He's known best for doubting. Remember? Everyone had seen the resurrected Jesus. Thomas wasn't there. They told him, we saw the Lord. He was here. Uh, he's alive. Thomas said, I'm never going to believe it unless I see him myself. I am going to have to see him, and I'm going to have to put my finger in the nail prints before I'm going to believe. And, of course, Jesus comes to him and allows him to do that or challenges him to do that. But he gets then tagged as doubting Thomas. So here he is, Thomas, and uh, we know from John that Thomas was a twin. He had a twin brother, and uh, his name was also Didymus, mean, which means twin. And then we have James, the son of Alphaeus. Now, earlier, we read that Matthew was a son of Alphaeus, so perhaps James is the brother 
uh, James and, and uh, Matthew are brothers. And then we have this Thaddeus. So this is a really interesting one. Thaddeus is also, in Matthew's gospel, Thaddeus is called Libius. Is all this confusing to you? <laughs> He's called Libius. Here's what I want you to know. The, the list that we have of apostles, some people say, you know, the Bible's got so many problems. I mean, they can't even get the list of the 12 people right. No, these are all the same people. They just had, it, like in the culture, they had different names. Saul, who was also called Paul, was very common. We've already seen Jesus changed the name of Simon to Peter. So Thaddeus had another name, Lebius, but he had another name, Judas. <laughs> and so John tells us about that. Now, people speculate that he's called Thaddeus and Libius because this is all being written after the events that happened. And of course, people, you know, Judas Iscariot, Judas has become like, who wants to be named Judas after Judas Iscariot, Right. So they say, well, you know, they just went with his other names. But John refers to him as Judas. But he specifies and tells us that it's not Judas Iscariot. So that's who Thaddeus, Libius is Judas. And then you have Simon the Canaanite. Now, Canaanite here is not the Canaanites like the ancient people that inhabited the land of Israel before Joshua came in. This is Canaanite, like the city of Cana. There's a city in Galilee, Cana. And so the, he's from the city of Cana. Or there's another idea that the Greek word here means, and it's, prob it's probably what it is because this is the way Luke translates it, Simon the Zealot. So he was a zealot, meaning that he was part of those kind of terrorist-type groups that were seeking to overthrow the Roman government, actively seeking through guerrilla warfare to overthrow the Roman government. And yet he becomes an apostle. And then the final one here, we all know Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him. So there's a few things I want us to see here. Number one, I want us to see that there's a tremendous amount of diversity in these people. And, you know, it never ceases to amaze me uh, the people that God brings together to serve him. Uh, people that normally probably would never really gel with each other. And, and yet through faith in Christ and through that common bond that we now have in Jesus, God brings uh, people together of, of such diverse backgrounds that, you know, just from a natural standpoint, you just realize, you know, they, these people never would have connected. And, and this is what happens. And, and this is the way God works. He's into diversity. And he takes all kinds of people and he brings them all together. And this is part of the miracle and part of the glory of the gospel that all the things that separate us and all the things that divide us naturally, which are many, those things are blown away through the power of the gospel. At least they're supposed to be. So, you know, when you have, in, in, the, in the context of the church, when you have situations where you have racial uh, tension and you have socioeconomic kind of divisions and things like that, all of that is completely contrary to the gospel. So however 
you know, Christians have allowed that to seep into their lives or churches or, or ministries or whatever have allowed that kind of stuff to come in. It is just so counter gospel that it's, it's astounding to think that it ever was able to really take root. But unfortunately it has, but it never should because God is into diversity. He's into it. And he shows us right here with these men right from the get-go. So that's one thing. The second thing I want us to see is now out of this list of men, there are six names, maybe seven, that we know, you know, some, some we know a little bit more about, some we know a little less about. But, you know, there are some names here in the list. We don't really know anything about these guys. But yet they were apostles. I mean, think of that. You know, we live in a time, and it's not just unique to our time. It's kind of always been the case. There's, there's a tendency to take people and promote them and to put them up and, you know, to kind of idolize them and things like that. And that was happening even in the New Testament period in, in the church in Corinth. They had all these divisions. Some people were following Peter, Cephas. They thought he's the great apostle, and some were following Apollos, and they were sure that he was really the one to follow. And, and others were even following Paul. And then there were others that were saying, forget all you guys, I'm following Jesus. And you remember it was Paul in writing to them. He said, you know, look, what are you doing? This is, this is what people do in the world. Who is Paul? Who is Peter? Who is Apollos? We're just instruments by whom you believed. And what you see here with these 12 men and half of them come down to us historically in total obscurity. We don't know. We don't really know where they came from. We don't know any details of their background. And we don't know where they went and what they did. Now, there's, there are ideas from church history about where they went and what they did. And there are some, probably some truth to some of those stories. There are obviously some legends that developed around it. But, you know, the Bible never tells us the details about the future of these people. We know Paul was executed by Nero. Church history tells us that. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy that the time of his departure is at hand. But, but the Bible doesn't record his execution. Peter, we know, or we, we have from history, that Peter was crucified in Rome. And they say he was crucified upside down. Was he? We don't know. Some say he was. But there's no biblical record of that happening to him. But we do know from the scriptures that he would die a martyr's death because Jesus told him he would. So, you know, where these guys went and what they did, we don't know. But they were apostles. And so, listen, we need to guard ourselves against getting into that mentality of, you know, kind of trying to find the celebrity pastor to follow or, you know, the celebrity leader or, you know, putting one person up against somebody else and assuming that, well, you know, because these, this guy has this many Twitter followers, man, he's got to be really anointed by God. So I'm going to follow him, listen to everything he says. Let's just not get caught up in that stuff. Because there's guys out there with five Twitter followers who actually have apostolic ministries, just like these guys. We don't know anything about them, but they were apostles. They were chosen by Jesus and they were sent out. And so you have the diversity and you have, uh, in, in, from the human sense, you have obscurity, but nevertheless, they were God's 
servants sent out to do his will, and they did his will. And their little just mentions here are just a reminder to us that God takes all kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds, and he uses them in ways that are very unique for who they are. You know, I have to always remember that because I sometimes I can get in my mind like, you know, sort of like the perfect, the, 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 kind of just the perfect person that God uses. You know, this is, this is how you've got to be, and then God's really going to use you. And whenever I start to develop a mindset like that, God just shows me somebody who's completely the opposite of that and shows me how he's using them. I'm like, okay, sorry, I was wrong about that. So these passages here, although they just seem like it's just information telling us, there's a message that God's in a diversity and he uses all kinds of people. And we don't have to be like somebody else to be used by God. We just need to be the person that he made us to be used by God. So that is just a quick look at the 12 here. Now, I want you to notice what it says. So it says in verse 13, we'll pick up there. And he went up on a mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that knows two things here, that they might be with him. That's number one. And secondly, and that he might send them out to preach. So we're going to look at those two things now. So the first thing, he calls them, first of all, that they might be with him. You know, the priority from God's standpoint for us is the relationship that he has with us. That's, that's, the, that's the great thing. That's the foundational thing. And that's the thing that we always have to remember because it does quite often happen. And it especially happens with people who are in more like, you know, sort of full-time type ministry. It's easy for people to get super focused on what they're doing for God to the exclusion of just enjoying the relationship that they have with God. And we have to fight against that. And the best way to fight against it is just to remember that Jesus chose us first to be with him. That's what he's concerned about more than anything. He's not primarily concerned with what you can do for him. Jesus didn't save you because he needed you to do something for him. He didn't save me because he needed me to do something for him. Because he has, well, of course, he has a whole host of angels that could do his work far better than we could ever do it, far more effectively and with much less drama. You know, he could just get it all done. But he chose to use us, but he chose first and foremost to bring us to himself. And that's what we can never forget. The greatest thing in my life is not that I get to be a pastor. The greatest thing in my life is that I get to be a child of God. That's the greatest thing in my life. And being a pastor is a great thing too, but that, that comes out of the fact that I'm a child of God. And so the greatest thing in your life, the greatest moment in your life, will not be when you do some great thing for God. The greatest moment in your life happened when you met Jesus. 
and you were called to him. You were drawn to him. And let's not forget that. For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Gospel by Ray Ortland. Are you experiencing the glory of Christ made visible through the beauty of gospel-infused relationships in the church? Well, in his book, The Gospel, Ray Ortland shares a biblical examination of what he calls a gospel culture, a culture that both fosters Christian relationships and is attractive and welcoming to those outside the faith. To develop a biblical understanding of gospel culture, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order the gospel by Ray Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.